three minutes, where we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute at a time. I'm Brett. And on this episode, we'll be discussing minute 12 of Jurassic Park 3. But before we get to that, so a little bit of news to catch up on this week. There's been a couple of announcements. Jurassic World Evolution, the game, is getting an expansion, um, including some missions with uh, Dr. Wu. David, do you know much more about that? We haven't. Um, we weren't going to dive deep into the news itself until we got some more news on it. But um, this has been a couple of announcements. I don't really play Evolution all that much, so I really don't know that much about it, unfortunately. That was going to um, be the other question: if you had Evolution yet or not, <laughs> and we're I playing it. it. I just. I mean, I haven't played it. I played it a ton yet, so. Yeah. I. Never played uh, Jurassic Park Operation Genesis, so I'm not familiar with how this works. You know, mm, I've got I've got Genesis sitting here beside me laptop. I've had sitting there for about two weeks. I've been mean to load up, and it's just I don't really I don't really have time to play it. One and two, it's sort of yeah, it's fun, but it's not really. It's it's an attempt at Jurassic Park. You can try and build your own your own map all you want, but it's it's never going to be the same. Where at least. Now, with evolution, they've actually got the the islands looking a bit better in the details there. But but saying like I, I wouldn't have time. And like the last big game I purchased was the Lego Jurassic World one, just because um, it covered all the all the films. And one little thing I didn't realise I was looking at some photos last night. There's actually a segment in the uh, Lost World portion where the venture crashes into the dock and um, Ludlow arrives via that corporate helicopter and lands on the dock in front of where the boat crashes. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's an interesting little thing there. I discovered what they do in the Lego in the Lego game that um, isn't really done in the film. We always wondered if that was Ludlow in that helicopter and if he did land near that waterfront somewhere. But Well, speaking of Ludlow and the Lego games, we are actually getting our very first prequel game. Well, prequel to Jurassic World. Through the Lego games, mm. um, I think there's going to be a, it's going to be like a Lego game kind of like mini movie, sort of thing. Yeah, much the same as the Indominus Escape was. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I think it's going to be about 44 minutes. Um, I don't know a price on it yet, but I know it's up on Amazon. Mm. And probably the the biggest thing where me and you are concerned, and where we're hoping here is. Um, it's rumoured to be taking the animals off sauna and we're back on sauna, possibly. Mm-hmm. So that's um that's definitely where my excitement for the game's gonna be coming from anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose while we are on Lego too, Lego Lego and Mattel have announced this past week that they're gonna be Lego's gonna be making three more sets. Lego sets for the Jurassic World line for two thousand nineteen. And one of those is gonna be an original Jurassic Park set. I'm assuming after the success of the Raptor Chase set that come out this year, so that's definitely exciting. I've I've got all the Lego sets and I can't wait for <laughs> these new ones. What the Jurassic Park one's going to be, we don't know if they're going to try and mash up a couple of different scenes into one like they did with that Raptor Chase, or fingers crossed we get a set of gates <laughs> and an Explorer. <laughs> I was hoping either Explorer slash Gates, you know, kind of like mixing those two up, or the because they already have a lot of pieces for it, the T Rex escape combined <laughs> with the um Jeep chase. Yep. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, it would. Probably start seeing what these are in February of Toy Fair, I'd imagine. So we can report more on more on what's coming out exactly there when we have more news on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Jurassic Minutes listeners, Brad here. Do you like the Jurassic franchise? Of course you do. You listen to this podcast and most likely the other Jurassic-themed podcasts out there. If you're not, go and do it right now. But do you also like mysteries and mysteries pertaining to the Jurassic franchise? Well, David and I have teamed up to produce a special Patreon-only show deep into some of those mysteries. What did kill the men on the parasailing boat in Jurassic Park 3? What is the real story behind the five deaths? And did a hurricane really hit Isla Nublar back in 1993 during the Jurassic Park incident? All these mysteries and more we tackle twice a month for your listening pleasure. For as low as a dollar over at our Patreon page, Jurassic Minutes. Head over, check out the podcast, and let's go on the journey to solve some mysteries together. Dave, apart from that, and if we want to discuss before we get into minute 13... No, minute 12. <laughs> no, we're good. Alright. As we entered minute 11 of Jurassic Park 3, Billy and Cheryl were getting close to each other and flirting over the raptor skeleton, but were broken up by Dr. Grant's return to the dig site. As we open on minute 12, Billy asks Grant how the trip go, and Grant replies, well, it's not too late to change your major. At the 10 second mark as they walk through camp, Billy replies, that bad, huh? Grant replies... Worse, we're going to have to pack up in four weeks. Billy corrects him and says free, and that he had to rent some equipment, and the two walk towards a tent at the far edge of the dig site. At the 22 second mark, we cut to a computer screen, and a velociraptor skull can be seen in what looks like an x-ray of the skull. Billy says, welcome to the future of paleontology. Billy shows Grant the rapid prototyper, and tells him about how he inputs the scan data from the skull into the computer, and it builds the resonating chamber one layer at a time. At the 37 second mark, the computer bips, prototype complete, and Billy slowly opens the top of the machine to pull out the prototype. At the 49 second mark, he holds up to Grant and says, I'll give you the resonating chamber of a Velociraptor. And as the minute ends, Grant smiles as Billy brings it up to his mouth and starts to blow, a shrill cry emitting from the small object. As we open on minute 12, uh... Alan stands in front of his truck there, we've seen last minute, and replies to Billy, Mr. Brennan, as Billy gets up to meet him. And uh, we cut to Billy getting Alan's bag out of the back seat of the truck, and he asks Alan, how did it go? Rather frankly, Alan, Alan replies, well, it's not too late to change your major. <laughs> <laughs> Which we sort of discussed last week about him supposedly only being 25 and being here in, in charge of the dig site. And it seems like he's only out there to get a major in paleontology, so that might not even be the um, his desired path. Mm-hmm. You're pretty—I mean, at least in the United States, you're usually pretty locked into what you do to, for the rest of your life. I mean, a lot of people do. I mean, some people do change majors. I mean, notable example: uh, James Cameron was a truck driver before he came, became a <laughs> filmmaker. So. There's hope for us yet. He's like spending the money right now. He's, I'm sure he's got like a literal Olympic-sized swimming pool full of cash. <laughs> the Avatar movie. Yep. As we start walking through the dig area, and Billy sort of replies, that good, huh? And Alan continues, worse. We're going to have to pack up in four weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's not a, not a good sign. <laughs> no. And we sort, of, we sort of discussed a couple of minutes ago where um, the students were talking to Grant in the lecture theatre and just wondering what the state of paleontology was in this 
Jurassic era, and mm-hmm. we'll get to it in a couple of minutes' time, especially with the novelization. But it's not a good sign here where they just can't get funding to dig up dinosaurs anymore. People want to see the real thing, and it just sort of goes to show exactly why Masrani was successful in the end in getting mm-hmm. another park open. I mean, frankly, I mean, we never, for, uh, we gotta admit that Jurassic World, for what it was, was the first, and as far as we know, only dinosaur park in the world. So, I mean, mm. I don't know anybody who probably wouldn't pay to see a living dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Well, you do get some, and Zara brings it up, or Zia brings it up in Fallen Kingdom, just not having enough money to go to the island to visit. Um, mm-hmm. And there would be a lot, a lot of people like that. But then that's oh, that's when you. Mm. There's a lot of people out there whose kids never see Disney World or Disneyland just because the costs to go there. I mean, sure, it's the happiest place on earth, but that comes at a very steep price. It's not on the last day when you're heading home bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just you pay what's um Hoskins Line end up a place like working in a place like this paying seven dollars for a soda. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Sometimes ten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that's that's the that's Disneyland for America. But most most countries have their major theme parks somewhere in the mm-hmm. country, and even then, just trying to get to it, whole accommodation, transport, fuel, and everything else. And to see everything, you're there at least a week, you know. Oh yeah. And I'd imagine it'd probably be the same for Jurassic World. I mean, if you want to see everything, the aviary, the River cruise, uh, the golf course, even if that's your thing, uh, you're there at least probably three or four days, you know. Yeah, well, that's you'd think it'd have to be at least a three-day package. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if 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 I get to go on a golf course and see go, I'm sit there eating the grass, and I'm going to learn how to play golf. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it sort of it makes you wonder where. This what the state of paleontology is, and even as they're walking through, you can see a lot of, a lot of film extras here. But a lot of them seem to be that college age, or sleeping in tents, or a lot of uh, a lot of motorhomes in this area as well. Mm-hmm. But after after Grant sort of says have to pack up in four weeks, Billy comes back quickly with free. He had to rent some equipment. Come on, I've got to show you something. <laughs> and then we get that line: "You like computers, right?" Where it just. We'll, we'll, we'll drop this little line in there just to bring back to the first movie where... He prefers I, the Abacus. <laughs> yeah, he can, prefers the Abacus, Billy. <laughs> Which sort of... Yes, you had the, the line where he's putting his hand on the monitor when they're doing the sonar imaging for the Raptor in the first movie and he says there that he doesn't like computers. But I think it's more just that he doesn't have regular access to them where you'd think now, being seven years later, eight years later, he would have had to... At least uh, data data recording and all that sort of stuff would be all computer by now. By 2001, there wouldn't be a lot of notebooks in his camp, you'd imagine. But but then we cut to a screenshot and we get Billy's voiceover saying, "Welcome to the future of paleontology." Clearly, an Apple Apple software, Apple computer running here. But um, Billy continues, "It's a rapid prototyper. I enter the scan data from the Raptor skull." The computer breaks it down into thousands of slices and just sculpts it one layer at a time. So essentially it's a 3D printer. <laughs> well, I've, I've been doing a little bit of research today on it, and it's in the same family as a 3D printer, whereas a 3D printer has, like, the element, your plastic or whatever it is, to add and actually print layer upon layer of the item. Um, mm-hmm. 
a rapid prototype is more it has a block of a block of material resin and it carves what you want out of that which is why when we get here in a minute you'd never be able to blow through it it never they can't they can't do hollows or um, holes in the external surface of the item that you're pre- mm-hmm. like sculpting so it's sort of they they sort of mix mix between a rapid pre- rapid prototyper and a 3d printer here where he says it makes it line by line but um, that's what a 3d printer does here or section by section scan by scan but rapid prototyper is more of more of sculpting david out of a block of mar- like a statue out of a block of marble um, that's that's from what I've been able to read on googling it anyway, but it's only a fairly new new design. Sort of rapid prototyping, three D printing, sort of come in the late eighties, and um, it's interesting looking at some blogs and websites and that for companies now that do rapid printing and three D printing. A lot of them cite Jurassic Park three as the first time they've seen it on screen and been fascinated by it up until now, where they're actually running their own business or three D printing their own stuff. So say what you want about the film itself, it did have a um, have a lasting impression on some people out there, technology-wise. <laughs> I guess you could say comparably to um, the first Jurassic Park. A lot of people who watched the first Jurassic Park watched it and said, wow, that VFX is incredible. I want to do that, you know? It's the unique system. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm talking like the visual effects of the oh, yeah, yeah. themselves, yeah. you know? Well, even that, that, the animatronics and all that sort of stuff, there had been animatronics in film before, but um, I think they really, Stan Winston, that really stepped it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as you're saying, like the VFX, all the special effects being the first of their kind, doing all the computer layers and that, making the technology to do it and going from there. There's definitely, um, definitely a lot of people in the business now or people that would have been working on Jurassic World that grew up on Jurassic Park. And now they're they're creating the dinosaurs in the computer. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean that's exactly what happened. I Julian Romero works for ILM and constructed scenes for I think Fallen Kingdom and Rogue One. He mm. he saw Jurassic Park as a kid, probably like many of us did, and he said, "I want to do that for a living." You know, I mean a different part of it, but he like for example, when I was a kid, I saw Jurassic Park and I said. I want to dig up dinosaurs. Of course, yep. that never happened, but it was oh, a yeah. dream as a kid. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, that's it for the longest time. Yep. Want to be paleontologist, paleontologist. And you sort of look in and go, righty, hey, well, what's the local paleontologist scene like? Oh, okay. Well, that's nowhere near me. Um, oh, that university is nowhere near me. <laughs> oh, it costs that much? Oh, okay. And all of a sudden, the, uh, the dream starts to die. <laughs> well, for me, it was the math. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yep. That and biology was... A bit challenging, but mm. it's sort of interesting here too. The sort of having to buy this equipment has lost them a week's digging out of the four. Um, being the rapid prototype, probably being something new of, of the day, would have been expensive. But it just makes you wonder how much how much their costs are per week to be at the dig site. Mm-hmm. So we, we sort of know from back in Jurassic Park, even though it's eight years later. Um, Hammond was giving him 80000 a year. And then that wasn't even fully funding the dig. That was just what he was currently giving them as one of his side projects. But Like, this would have to be a couple of thousand dollar <laughs> item back in 2001. Remember that Ian also... I mean, uh, Hammond also promised a further $3,000. Or, no, I mean, uh, further... What was it? 
fully fund for four years. Yeah, he said he'd fund him for three more years, and mm. at this point that would have ran out. Seven, yeah. It's eight years later. Yep. And that, yeah, it's thing that funding would have ran out just before the San Diego incident. So right when they're looking for more funding, all of a yeah. sudden there's a T Rex running down San Diego, and people are turning away from paleontology and going, "Well, what's this real dinosaur? Where'd this come from?" And yeah, that would have been one of the first nails in the coffin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we get a Bing noise and uh, prototype complete. And um, Billy opens the lid and uh, reaches in, pulls out the prototype, and so lifts it into the air to show Alan. He says, I'll give you the resonated chamber of a velociraptor. Mm-hmm. It's sort of interesting here, too. I've done a bit of a zoom in on the side, beside the printer here. I don't know what you'd call them, but similar in Jurassic Park, where Nedry's computer and that was, there was like a stack of, like a stack of external hard drives or something, um, like a tower. I know there was a, um, it's got, this here's got an Apple Macintosh logo on it anyway that you can see if you zoom in, but in the mid uh, mid 90s, Apple did make a, um, a computer tower that was sort of described as the pizza box, where it was flat, and you could stack four or five of them on top of each other to have them all linked, uh, but it didn't quite look like that, and it doesn't quite look like this either, but it seems to be an Apple, an Apple product of some sort. Mmm. Whether that tower was part of the computer or obsolescence part of the computer, and not part of the, the prototyper itself, because mm-hmm. I, I googled Apple prototyper, I couldn't find anything to say that they even made one. So, um, unless it's a little bit of movie magic as well, we never know. Well, we also know that um, I I doubt that they did, but we do know that they did supply the computers for the park for the first in the first movie. So. Jurassic Park ran on Apple. Well, <laughs> yeah, and we're going to get to that and where there might be ties between that and Jurassic Park 3 when we get to the script and novel comparisons. Mm-hmm. And we will go straight in that because, yeah, pretty much um, Billy just brings up to his mouth and says, listen to this, and starts blowing through it. And as the minute ends, you can sort of hear the sound and you can see on Alan's face sort of remembering what that sound sounded like. But uh, in the script... It continues much the same, but although when we enter the tent, um, you could, it's described as a dusty old Macintosh computer that's feeding data into the machine, which is the size of a like a dormitory refrigerator, one of those small refrigerators. I'll post the photo up when the minute goes up, but if you actually look when the, him and Alan are walking through the camp past the trailers towards that tent, you can see the prototype are working in on a little table, and it's it, like it's on a table desktop. It's not a big um, refrigerator-sized piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. So whether they were just sort of describing it in the script as what it was without even knowing how big it actually was was going to be, because both in the in the script and the novelization it was described as being the size of a refrigerator, but it's not here in the film. But it's sort of it's interesting here where it's described as an old Macintosh computer. In in 1997, when Steve Jobs took Apple back over, he sort of brought in that newer sort of bubble design for the their Apple computers and like different colours mm-hmm. gone with the days of just the flat greys and beige coloured brick computers mm-hmm. where this is clearly that and this is clearly well the mid 90s all look the same so it's quite possible this is a the same sort of computer used in 93 in Jurassic Park we don't quite where they show the scale on the screen we don't quite drop down to see the the name or the model on the, on the screen unfortunately on the side of the monitor but, the, yeah, they didn't, the Macs didn't change, or the 
Macintosh computers didn't change a lot in design through the 90s, so... I was all... When I found that, I've gone, oh, Grant's got an engine computer, but... We know those computers are probably still sitting on Nublar, wrapped in vines and moss. <laughs> sort of the monitor design that we do see here in these shots does look a lot like the monitors we see in the Lost World in the communications room and that. Mm-hmm. And I remember those uh, monitors from 97. Uh, I'm not sure if they're brand new, but when I went to... Uh, when I was in kindergarten in 98... Um, I remember that the kindergarten had the building had just been built, so essentially everything in there was new. The the paint you could still smell half the thing that wasn't even finished being built yet, <laughs> and so there's still like painting stuff. And I remember the computer room, we had the um, had those exact monitors that you described. They were blue on the back or purple or something like that. Well, yeah, a lot of different. Some some were even trendy and they were completely clear, um, mm. the clear plastic. But they were sort of like a large bubble shape, purple, blue, orange, a lighter color blue. Mm. They really sort of got that extra color, changed up what a Macintosh computer really looked like. And I'm pretty sure they were all inclusive. Like the everything was in that monitor, much like your um, all in ones are today. But mm-hmm. yeah. I think they are. They think it was, yeah. So that's and that sort of raises the question again. If, if Billy's spent a week's worth of their budget on this piece of equipment, you'd, you'd think the uh, the old Macintosh computer would be a throw-in <laughs> to go with the with the prototyper. It might have been, you know. But then then the other thing is too, if, if that's a older older Macintosh, I don't know if they'd be able to run a CAD system to to be able to support the prototyper either. It'd be like it'd be like having a Windows ninety eight computer now trying to plug a two thousand ten printer into or something. Like no, it doesn't compute. <laughs> I don't want to do this yeah, anymore. <laughs> but then too, like as we were saying earlier with the Apple and Jurassic Park, those computers in front of the actors weren't actually doing what they appeared to be doing. That was all a second control room yeah. behind a fake wall that was feeding them computers data, so they also had a lot of that what we see pre-programmed into them. Like, we know that the recording of when uh, Nedry's talking to the uh, 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 deck, or, yeah, the doc guy he has there, that's just a video that he's playing. He's the yeah. video uh, feed, the uh, timer on the video running at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> that's a great one, that one. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's more than possible that this it's doing exactly the same thing here, especially when you don't see the rest of the computer. Billy's not actually interacting with the computer at all. He's just sort of leaning on top of the prototyper, talking about it. There's a cut line too that Alan has when um, Billy says, "Welcome to the future of paleontology." Grant asks, "Oh, um, not if it can't dig," <laughs> which <laughs> he sort of wants it to help him dig, <laughs> dig. Yeah, and it sort of continues to push the. Grant hating technology idea, but um, when he sees Billy pull the prototype out, it's sort of he can't help but be amazed by it and enticed by it. Yeah, in the novel, on the novelization, sort of Alan also asks after the machine dings if um, if the future of paleontology if it can dig, <laughs> and 
then when Billy says, I present to you the resonating chamber of a Velociraptor, Grant sort of retorts and goes, you mean the computer simulated resonating chamber of a Velociraptor? Which is one thing I was going to bring up. Yes, you can sometimes... There's there's plenty of um, fossils and skulls out there that have been... Like all the bones being hollowed... All the rocks being hollowed out from inside the skull to, um, to sort of show the skull. And obviously the inside gooey bits like the brain and you'd think the resonating chamber and that would be something long lost in fossilization. I don't even know in 2001 or 2000 how you'd scan the interior of a skull when it's full of rock or full of fossilized material. One to sort of get the scans both internal and external of the resonating chamber but of the skull itself. Yes you could probably scan the interior of the skull where there'd be space for something like that but just sort of like the detail we get on the side of this prototype with where you'd see veins and muscle and that attached to it. I'm not entirely... I always assumed that the resonating chamber had been a piece of the physical skull. But Mm. the way that they did it, or possibly, is they could have gotten data files if they took it to a nearby hospital that had a CT scanner. I know that that's what they did to to, uh, reconstruct Sue's skull because it had been so badly crushed. They took Mm -hmm. it they took it to, I think it was one of the local, it was one of the, uh, it was, you know, it was a military base, I think they took it to that, or some kind of scientific base. I can't remember what it was, but it was, they it had an industrial sized CT scanner. They laid it on the bed, and the CT scanner chopped, no, not physically, but sent lasers through the skull, and that's how they, they got a full readout of the skull that way. Hmm. Well, that's it. You're not going to put a T-Rex skull into a normal size um, scanner like that. But... No, it was industrial size. Yeah, and well, Billy says that they scan scan the area and took slice by slice into the computer. Mm-hmm. So, and and if it's if it's sort of bone structure like the skull, then it's probably more. Um, it's probably got a better chance of surviving. Like it, 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 the way it sort of looks here on screen, it's like if they just said here's the heart of Velociraptor. They scanned the fossils and found the cavity where the heart would have been and, and, and reprinted the heart but, or some other sort of soft, gooey bit. Um, but at least the, at least this... I suppose it'd be, it'd be no different to, like, the um, the horn on a Paracelophus or something where you've got the, the air sacs and hollows going through it where they sort of pump sound and they know it's part of the nostril cavity and all that. Yeah, exactly. So... So yeah, it's, it's probably just yeah, that interior, in, interior space of the um, of the skull, and not actually in, like a, not an organ, but a, mm-hmm. a gooey a gooey bit in there that makes a noise. It's yeah. part of the part of the nasal cavity. Because mm-hmm. what I what I understood is that what they're doing was, or what at least how it worked was that when the Velociraptor breathed out to make vocalizations, since it doesn't have a larynx like mammals. It has a syrinx, like birds and reptiles, where it doesn't actually have anything in there to make vocalizations. It can just make kind of sounds like guttural, like a uh, alligator does when it just, quote-unquote, bellows. Yep. Um, but the resonating chamber is an evolutionary kind of advancement that allows the velociraptor to make more complex vocalizations that would mimic, in a way, language. Hmm. 
Well, and that's yeah, that was the other thing I was just thinking of too. If that's all connected to the nasal cavity, and it's like the nose, nostrils, and all that, mm-hmm. then there's got to be there's got to be some some other. Well, I suppose they'd connect in the back of the throat somewhere, much like everything else. Because it's like how how are they making how's the T Rex roaring from its throat if it's making the noises in its skull? <laughs> but that's that just goes to show how much I know about them, the subject. And the last little bit from the um from the novelization as well, when Grant hears uh, those sounds, he's um he's taken directly back to a memory of Jurassic Park and being chased by the raptors, which I'm sort of glad we didn't get a a, a flashback scene. Although we do, we know what comes up when uh, yeah. they attempt that. <laughs> Alan, mm. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it could have worked, but they didn't. They didn't do it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, that'll come in a couple of weeks' time. David, anything else on minute twelve you want to discuss before we get out of here today? No, I think we uh, covered that pretty well. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find The Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven could get me on that island. You desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur man! Okay.